Hello and welcome to Divisive Issues, the foul-mouthed, spoiler-filled comic book podcast where two fans and two non-fans discuss controversial and noteworthy comic books and comic book history. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. And it's our end of the year extravaganza. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. This episode comes out we on January 1st. made it. 2020. Yeah, we made it. We're in the future. We're, we're a little worse for wear, but... <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> We still we're still in alive. one piece. Well, sometimes you know you gotta if things get tough, you gotta cool down. And you gotta take a walk around America and see what America <laughs> is to truly understand. Wait, it. are we still in one piece or are we in bleach? I thought we were. In bleach. <laughs> <laughs> so what that what was alluding to is we're gonna be talking about uh, Superman grounded for back issues. Yeah. So if stuff. this is your first New Year's with us, then we always take. A book that we covered way back in the pre-Daryl and Phil days, and we make them read it, and then Sly and I don't have to read it, so it's nice. Yeah. And that's what we do for the first half. Yeah. And as you are saying, Daryl? Oh, we also are not going to recap the story either, so if you want, like, uh, a walkthrough of what happens during it, you can go (laughs) listen to the old episode, because we're just going to discuss it in, you know, total here. But it yes. seems like Daryl wants to go page by page the way he's been talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do really enjoy it. <laughs> and later on, we will be talking about all of our favorites and least favorites from the year. Not new stuff, but stuff that we covered. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's our usual New Year's extravaganza. So I would like to have an extra special thank you to our one of our eldest fans, Zach Fig, for, for recommending us Superman Grounded those many moons ago. Wow. Wow. He's, he's been with us a while. <laughs> I think that might have been the first tweet uh, I ever got from him. That was like, you guys should do Superman Grounded. And I was like, fuck, who is this guy? And why is he making us do this? <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, thank you. So what are your overall thoughts before we get into actual details? <laughs> this is really interesting. I, I <laughs> This is like my favorite type of Superman where it's just a whole bunch of people pointing their finger and going like, fuck you, buddy. Like, you're a piece <laughs> of trash. I'm like, good. Yes. Finally, a, a person speaking for the little guy over here. <laughs> I, I also really liked it. Um, at first, I was like, the very set, the setup of the book has this woman basically saying, fuck you for being out in space when my husband needed, like, cancer <laughs> surgery. Yeah, that was so great, because if you listen to the Patreon stuff, we always do Jimmy Olsen comics. And Superman's always in doing a space mission when he's, like, needed <laughs> most. And it's great that even this comic is, like, you were in space when we needed you most. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, well, the thing I didn't like about that setup, though, is, like, I get it that she's mad about her husband, mm-hmm. but if the planet blows up... <laughs> Her husband's dead. Like, this, this, I, I get why people get upset about this stuff, but Superman often is saving the whole world. Mm-hmm. And I know the point is like, well, you're not seeing, you're missing the forest for the trees or whatever, but, mm-hmm. or you're not seeing the, for, whatever the phrase is. I mean, there's but, someone that brings up during that conversation. They're like, he can't be everywhere at once. He has like solar systems to save. But she also says, like, yeah, you should have used, used my, your actually vision through my my husband's cancer cells. And there's, like, no indication that he can fucking even do that. Yeah, for me... I, like, I, I interpret that as... Uh, I interpret that as uh, everyone viewing Superman as a god when he's not a god. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, too. it's a little bit of a weird setup because I think a better thing would be, like, you know, the fact that they show you... No, I'm thinking of the second part grounded, where they're like, Superman got a cat out of a tree, where I'm like, it should be more focused on him doing, like, large-scale stuff to save the world, mm-hmm. than, like, maybe, like, some debris fell on her husband from, like, a building falling down, and it killed him, mm-hmm. and she's like, you should have, like, flown in and saved him from getting crushed. Because the, the X-ray and cancer stuff is a weird, like, 
we've never seen him be able to do this. And if he was able to do this, this would be like a weird world to live in where this is what he's obligated to do. Yes. Is to cure cancer patients. I intentionally didn't want to give you guys any context, and I'm not going to get into the whole history, but the reason why this story existed at all is because Superman was just in this like multi-year-long crossover event called New Krypton, where basically... A planet, a new planet was formed with a bunch of Kryptonians on it, and the whole thing was like Superman has to choose which world is he going to live on. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, it, that can't be the status quo for long, so the planet blows up and they all die. <laughs> but so, like when they say like you've been in space, it's more like Superman kind of like abandoned Earth, and I use quotes. That's like just the rhetoric that was used in the story a lot. Yeah. To like go live with Kryptonians, so I think it's more well, like I, I always read it like Sly's saying of like he literally was gone for a long time. Like turning his back I, on I, I dis- Earth. I, I disagree with that interpretation mainly because um, it's your interpretation. I I, I, I I know I'm saying, but I disagree. Because I'm <laughs> gonna, I, I don't just say I disagree. Unlike you, right? I don't just say I disagree and move on. I like to point out an argument. My <laughs> argument is that uh, okay. they paint sure. uh, Flash and uh, Batman as disconnected as well. Saying uh, Flash, like Flash says, I just see a blue when I pass through the country. Like I, I don't see individual people at all. Like. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski is very explicitly saying the superiors as a whole are disconnected and Superman is trying to reconnect with them. No, but mm. I'm saying from an editorial spe- perspective, the reason why this story existed, the setup for this story was we need to reconnect Superman to Earth. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it feels like a writer's privilege more than an editorial privilege to me. Okay. Because the, the next writer immediately was like, no, Flash says, no, that was stupid. I don't know what the fuck. I was joking, Superman. Yeah, I see everything. Yeah, yeah. He, I, that if the editor if the editor uh, allowed that he fucked up. So bad editing. Okay, case. I'm just saying like this is what this is how the story was originally pitched, and whether JMS follows up on that is part of what we'll discuss. But like that was the the point was supposed to reconnect him, just like Captain America did the exact same thing when he was a Nazi for a while. He rode a bike across America. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, my bad. It's like Superman. Wow, yeah. after, he ripped off Superman. Yeah, but. It's like you Superman know, goes and joins thing. all of his Kryptonian buddies, and it's like, whoops, my bad, let yeah. me hang out with you guys for a bit. <laughs> yeah. So I, I enjoyed this so much that I asked them, because this is six issues, and I asked them, it's like, hey, this keeps going on for, like, six more issues. You know, this ends the, the Superman-titled series. I was like, should I keep reading? And both of you guys were like, no, you shouldn't. It just becomes, like, boring Superman stories. I was like, I'm going to keep reading to see what they do with it. And it became boring Superman stories, and it was definitely not <laughs> yeah. a fun read. But it was interesting at least seeing, like, like how uh, Sly brought up that that writer came in, and after The Flash had said in this Grounded series, where he's like, I see everything as a blur because I'm running so fast. And then there he's like, I think at the speed of Atta seconds, like, that's where that meme comes from. And Ugh. that's where he's like, <laughs> um, I, I see everything all at once. And it, like, it got so indulgent on Superman that it... I. Like, I, I would have liked to see the story somehow wrap up in, like, a way that the the main writer, Straczynski, wanted it mm-hmm. to. Well, everyone everyone hated this story when it came out, so he quit after... He quit and to do uh, stories people like more. Uh, he, he wrote oh, uh, really? Superman Year One. Yeah, uh, uh, me and Ryan... And yeah, Joe, he wrote the Superman Earth One graphic novels he, that are more of the, like, human-type Superman, but I think in yeah. a way that is more accessible and successful. Hmm. It's interesting that that Daryl points out the people uh, shitting on Superman because for me, 
this comic is Superman being condescending to everyone. And it is. Unlike the, and unlike the theme that Superman's right along. So I, I don't take pleasure in people being wrong as Superman when he's being condescending mm. prick. Well, like, I, I described it as like a Socratic dialogue where he's like Socrates going around talking to everyone. And everyone that has complaints against him, he like shoots questions back at them to be like, but isn't this the right thing to do? Like there was one exchange he had with a guy in the street. Yeah, specifically the guy who's walking his dog. And he's like, <clears throat> you should be saving the world right now. You shouldn't be walking. And he talks about the uh, Thoreau quote, Thoreau was in jail uh, for civil disobedience. And then someone came to get him out and said, what are you doing in there? And he said, Thoreau says, no, what are you doing out there? And he's like, hey, if I'm in the hero box and you're not, I'm asking you, what are you doing out there to save the, like to help people? Mm-hmm. All right. So please explain to me what it has to do with him walking around on foot and him talking to this guy with dog, I did not fucking it's, get that. It's at him all. defending him being like a. I don't know, actually. Like that—that that was one that stumped me That's when I, I mean. read it too. <laughs> every every like everything you guys are saying about him walking around America. When I read the story, I was excited to read because it sounds good on paper, but it's so obtuse and like it's so it goes nowhere. Even before it actually went nowhere, it was going nowhere. Like it, like it has. Mm-hmm. Like what's the point of this fucking for story? For me, for me, I like it going nowhere because it's kind of like a slice of life. It's like different people of different walks of life interacting with Superman, telling them lo- they're either being like nice to him and feeding him at a diner, or they're like they miss him when they're just like asleep on the street. It's like it's a story about the people around Superman, not necessarily like what is this doing for him himself, which is why I enjoyed it. It's like him actually taking a second to look at what people are, live like and to mm-hmm. see what life is like in actuality instead of just if I'm flying around. I would, I, I would, again, on paper, it sounds great. The problem is Superman's way too preachy for that to work. And every single page, he's always making speeches about something. And that gets into Superman that Daryl claims he doesn't like all the time, where yeah. uh, so he's judgmental and just preachy and just a bit goody two shoes. Where I like Superman, like we did in the Christmas special last year, where he just wants to sit and listen to you. And he does that like one one story here, but he still like does like when they're in a suicide situation, this person committed suicide. Yeah. Uh, he wants to sit and talk for, but he still something douchey. He he says he 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 destroys the police's equipment just because uh the person doesn't want a spotlight on her. Like yeah. he could have just told the the police, hey, can you show the spotlight? No, he he destroys their equipment. So, to me, that was one of those things where it's like the more realistic situations, he would fly down like super fast and like turn it off or something. Him using laser eyes was like that was definitely like a writing decision to be like, ha, ah, look how like he, he takes advantage of the situation or he takes like control of the situation, which was a big also, thing. Go ahead, Ryan. No, I just about that scene real quick. I know I mentioned this last time, but I I have to mention again. This that whole entire suicide scene is done way better in two pages in Grant Morrison's All Star Superman, which came out earlier. Hmm. So it's just like it's every time I see the scene, I'm like, I understand what this is going for, but like we already have the scene better somewhere else. I, I think the Christmas special did last year did it better too, but I don't want to do comparisons like that. No, but I think that I think that's fair. But like that the the suicide scene is so explicitly like the same thing. Hmm. But it, it that doesn't mean it doesn't work. I think it works fine for what. I don't know. I just I think it's oh I think it's all right. But like like Daryl was saying, and I interrupted you, Daryl. Sorry that it's, it's there's still like nuances of it that I think are weird that don't play as well. But it's, it's, one those, just... it's one of those things uh, when we talk about comics where like when we did Batman Cacophony or, or White and Gyre, what the fuck was the good one? I think White and Gyre. We were like this is like the typical Batman retiring story, and Phil it was really novel to Phil, but for us. Mm-hmm. It was more standard. Yeah, I still, uh, yeah. I still think this is done one of the best scenes in the whole entire comic. But uh, it, it does, it does feel very similar to other uh, scenes that are like this. Mm. 
One of the other things about this, too, that, like, struck me, the thing is, like, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't really enjoy it, like, this is, like, a must-read, everyone has to read it. It's more like seeing how the writer interprets Superman, like how Sly said that he comes off as very condescending. I'm like, oh, that's interesting that he's making him this way. And it's also, like, such a strangely conservative book when I was reading this. Yeah, definitely. Where it's like, there's a whole thing about, like, illegal actual aliens in this planet on, I mean, uh, in a neighborhood, and Superman's like, you gotta get back. You gotta do something, otherwise I'm gonna, like, out you. Like, you have to be contributing with your culture to ours. Yeah, it's very weird. That brings up a good point. So, this is supposed to be the same Superman from Death Superman, Ethnic Crisis, and all those stories. This This was the last story with that Superman in his original universe. Does it feel like the same Superman? I mean, I, I don't know who Superman is, so I can't. <laughs> no, but, but you read *Infinite Crisis*. You read *Definitely Superman*. You've read, you read all these stories. Like, does this feel true to that character to you? I mean, this is—it's kind of like the same thing with Tom King, where it's like no Tom King character kind of feels like that character. It just feels like but, Tom King writing but, but to them. It. It's like seeing this odd, like this uh, writer. It kind of just felt like his spin on Superman. I know, but that, that's why my point is because that's what I hate. That's why I hate stories like this, and I hate t- Tom King's writing. Because you're supposed to at least try to make him feel like the same character. I don't think yeah. he, what makes him feel so different to you. Superman, was Superman condescending at all in those early stories? He was very humble. In fact, uh, one, of the, one of the complaints of the crisis was he was too passive. He wasn't being enough of an inspiration in general and being too pitchy enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, he, like, uh, I, I've always viewed that Superman as very, very humble. And he, he would walk... He, 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 I, I, I could very easily see him walk around the country. I could not see him saying most of the constant crap he says in this stuff. Mm. And I, I can see that too. It's like yeah, he, he definitely comes across more as humble there as opposed to like here. Are you talking about scenes when he's like, when he's talking to the reporters and he's like, I'm yeah, walking. Reporters basically, yeah. but, but he's like, uh, uh, like, like that speech to Henry David Thoreau. Like he's acting like he's making a brilliant point. And the guy just says, What are you talking about? And that's why yeah, I feel it's like, like, that it's like guy. the Liberty Bell speech is the biggest example of the, like, because they're in Philadelphia when he's telling him about this, the Thoreau speech. And it, it, that's the biggest example of him really like would superman do this to this guy we'd be like really you need to think about this more buddy instead of being like i'm trying to do the best i can citizen all right so to bring up a, bring up a specific Wait, question well uh, oh, funny God. funny funny story yeah. reading this yeah. when he's talking to batman about this and batman's like you're having a breakdown uh superman's like i can tell you've lost touch with bruce over the past few years or whatever and i thought he meant batman lost touch with bruce wayne <laughs> like himself like the the costume lost touch with the person and then yeah. after i'm like Oh, this is not Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Uh, I forgot. I forgot. I, for, I would have forgotten that it happened around this time too. Uh, Wait, yeah. This isn't Bruce Wayne. This, Dick, Dick Grayson replaced Bruce. Dick Wayne. Grayson was Batman for like a couple uh, years. Okay, whatever. It's, it's good stuff. It he, never should have been undone. He should. He should uh, well, I'll, I'll I thought the same as Phil. Where I was like, you know, I think that's like a, a pithy remark that he can make. Where he's like, you know, what, you've lost touch with your human self, like your non-Kate yeah. Crusader side. Uh, well, well, well. If this story was better written, because Bruce Wayne left. No, that was after he died. Never mind. I was gonna say in fifty two, he left because he lost touch with Bruce Wayne. But never mind. Uh, but um, Dick Grayson should have been banned forever. Fuck Bruce. I Wayne. forgot the yeah, other uh, two. The other two really strangely conservative things that happened in it were the the drug war stuff, where it's like yes, hey. I was about to ask. That, yes. Yes, yeah, in our, like, abandoned um, side of town and stuff, we have drug dealers that have taken over there. Superman goes there and he's like, I'm just going to burn down all of your dens. Yeah. Like, all the money in your dens. And it's like, and if you come back here, I'm just going to beat the shit out of you if you do that. And then he gives that weird speech where he's like, you know, it's good that the problem's not here anymore. We just got to make sure the problem's not here everywhere where it's like, 
you literally just made them move. Like, oh, it's so dumb. And then there's also, like, the, the... I mean, that's broken windows policing. Like, that was a huge thing that a lot of people believed at this point. I'm not saying that's good. I'm yep. saying it's super dumb. Yeah. But, like, that's... Like, that's what I'm, that's what I think you're really hitting the nail on the head with the politics of this book being like weirdly conservative, but with Superman's preachy tone, it's so said, like, this is a clear solution. Yes. That, like, it's not. I know, yeah. so someone, I was asking about that. How do you, how do you let's see where he tells a little kid to go tell uh, bank robbers that he's going to fuck up their, sh- the, the, not the bank robbers, <laughs> the drug dealers, he's going to fuck up their shit all the time. That's, you see, that, that stuff is just like, uh, it's so weird because it's, the writer trying to say Superman has come up to a solution with this small time problem. And it's like, we need to work on things bit by bit. And it's like, I understand that. It's just, this doesn't work. Like, your your goal should be to rehabilitate these drug dealers. Like, a big thing about this, too, is about how America is failing because we're losing our our industrialization sector. It's like, mm-hmm. like, he even meets, like, the old man hobo that's like, you know, I used to work yeah. here, but now I don't and stuff. And it seems like the answer is that you need to find jobs for these people. It's like that's why these kids have turned to drug dealing and crime is that they don't have, mm-hmm. like, good communities and they don't have good job opportunities. But instead, it's just like, just don't do it. I'm like... Well, that's... like most conservative social critiques, they only attack the symptoms and yeah. never attack the system. But systems. also, yeah. what can Superman do about that? Yeah. But it seem like he found a solution with the way he talks and the yeah. way he's acting. And yeah. there's also, there's plenty of, like, if the point of the story is exploring what can Superman do to fix these solutions, him not being able to fix them is also a valid yeah, part of like, the story, is, but it's this not. This goes deeper than a guy with laser eyes that can, like, solve your problem. There's a story in the 2000s that, like, and the reason why I keep bringing up other Superman stories, like Sly said, I don't want to keep just comparing it to everything, but, like, it's when you're exploring these concepts, the story, there's a Batman story where the, where Gotham is completely shut out from the rest of the world. And is basically just like this earthquake ridden wasteland and Superman comes and he's like, I'll save the day. And Batman's like, that's not like, are you going to rebuild our entire infrastructure? Are you going to like feed everybody for years? No, you can't help. And like the story resolves with Superman basically being like, I don't know what to do to help these people. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have him like reconnect with America and walk across America, that could be a valid and powerful point to make in the story. But the point that JMS makes is Superman, he fixed the problem. He sent these kids to go find these drug dealers. And, and Sly, I, looking at this panel, I did not realize that he actually tells a little child to give yes. these drug dealers a message. That is, like, it's supposed to be, like, nice because this kid's, like, offering him candy. It's like, here, it's like, hey, I saved your, like, town. Can you do something for me? But it's like, that wouldn't work at all. Ever. That I, thought, I thought that, that too when I, when I saw that. I, I first I was like, maybe it's like, <clears throat> you know, if you've seen like The Wire, a lot of times these gangs have like young kid like runners or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe this kid's part of the gang, and he's telling. Yeah, like, I, I don't think. Them, I, don't, I don't think. I don't think the story has that much knowledge of uh, actual drug culture, yeah. or gang culture. And yeah. and, and the kid's obviously not part of like because he's offering candy. He's not. Like, a candy, yeah. You just you just fell for his uh, uh, cover film. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and the last like super conservative thing was at the end of the story with the dad that beats his wife and his son, and it was just such a bizarre thing where like Superman saves his kid, then he gives him like, "Here's my f- private phone number. Call me again." And, no, wait, call me every day, and if you don't call me, I'll go beat the shit out of your dad, which is just the most bizarre thing, too. Yeah. Where it's like, is Superman going to personally police a million families to make sure that their uh, abusive dads don't return? Yeah. It's such uh, like, an effective story of this kid loving and adoring Superman, looking up to him and wanting him in like a moment of crisis where it's like, this could have turned into something like 
inspirational. But instead, it's Superman's like, I'll be your personal bodyguard. But only because you, like, if you miss a call, I'll know your dad did something to you. <laughs> and, and, it's not, and it's not, like, there's no reason why I don't like the story, because there's always issues in this world, and it would be such a powerful story if it was, like, wow, like, how do we solve, like, uh, fucking, like, uh, domestic abuse and stuff like that. Like, yeah. that, that's, like, an all-encompassing problem in our society. But, like, uh, they, they try to give it, like, a sense of, like, closure and satisfaction instead of being, like... I'm doing what I can, like, I'm trying to solve this problem, but it's a problem for society, but no, it's like, I solved it, this is great, I'm, I, I fixed this problem. Yeah, it gets back to what you said about, like, Superman being, like, a different type of Superman here, where it's like, he never did, like, the proactive, like, I'm gonna, like, check up on you, and if you're not doing well, like, there will be consequences, he tells them. It's always like, you put someone away in jail, or you stop them, and Superman's like, that's good enough for now. Rather than, like, I, I'm going to need to check up on you to make sure you're not, like, parole officer Superman. It's so weird. But, yeah. like, at the same time, maybe it's, like, he's, yeah, he's not fixing this problem for everyone, but he's fixing it for this kid. Like, that's the yeah. thing is, like, he's, like, the same thing with the woman with her husband. Like, he fixed it. He's seeing the little, he's helping the little people individually, mm-hmm. where in the past he just ignores that. Well, that's why I would like it, like, maybe without the, the ending on, like, I'm going to be your personal bodyguard from now on. Yeah. Instead, it's just, like, you save this kid, and then maybe you tell him something inspiring so that he grows up, like, stronger so he can defend his mom or something. Because, like, if the point of the story is to, to to stop Superman from being a god figure, him just being like, I'm always watching over you yeah. is not yeah. a, a good yeah. resolution. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 didn't, I didn't reread this or rewatch or, or listen to our episode because I'm fucking lazy. Uh, so I, I remember him doing that constantly throughout the story to being like call me if something changes here or whatever and mm-hmm. like that that also made me not like the story because there's no way he's keeping tabs on all these people he's, he's meeting in the story like there's no humanly possible way unless uh, they're trying to establish him as a god figure I think that he's the only one who he says I'm gonna call you all the time no he, he doesn't say like the drugs like the, the drug people come back I'll fuck yeah it's up just again. the drug dealer and the, the oh, kid yeah. with the abusive father it's like those are both the things where it's like I'm gonna personally take over if they if they decide to return or do something bad again which to me is like it's, it's such a stupid setup too because at the very beginning it starts with Superman you weren't here to help me and now my husband's dead and now he's like I will be here to help you where it's like you don't know the next time you're gonna have a space mission or you're gonna be lost in time or there's a crisis like yeah. it's su- there's such weird solutions that don't make sense even within the bounds of the story he's also not setting up a system where he will be there to stop the bad thing from happening it's yeah. if the bad thing happens again i'll go beat somebody yeah. up so like but i think <laughs> if this kid gets abused or killed or the drug dealers kill somebody then he'll just come and clean I, it up. I, I think the like idea is, is this is the prevention. The threat of violence against the dad. If you know <laughs> Superman will kick your ass, you you have prevented it kind of. Because now, yeah, but like, but yeah. like harsh punishment doesn't deter crime. Yeah, yeah. it really doesn't. He's just gonna assume he's gonna, he's gonna get away with it and like fi- find a way to keep his son his mouth son's mouth shut at some point and just be the shed of more. I don't know. When was this? Like 2009? Maybe I'm just way too grounded in all like the, the data <laughs> that's come out since then. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, I guess in in this it, at this time period, this was a, like these were a lot of policies that people were really pushing. So yeah. maybe no, but yeah. that's a, that's a that's a that's a problem with. There's a reason. Like, we we uh, the story I feel like is clearly trying to go for. Uh, there was a Green Lantern, Green Arrow story we talked about all the times with Dan Sunil and Neil Adams, yeah. where they go across America and steal the problems inside society. But a lot of them is like, wow, these are very complex issues, and this is not a black and white world like we once thought. While yeah. here, it, it's suggesting a, a conservative slanted. 
solution to these, including like more more uh, punishment stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so like, and that's why the story di- didn't get received as well. But why? And it, it, this is like a recurring trend because you see a lot of people trying to make stories like that original seventy story. Uh, we should eventually do the modern Captain America stories, the one with like uh, Black Falcon and stuff like that, because they do a lot of this where they don't have a good solution, but they still present their solutions as the right ones, even though yeah, yeah, like, they try to simplify issues instead of painting the world more complicated, like the original seventy story did. Makes me wonder if because it's Superman, you have to paint there being a solution that we can access, rather than like oh, you know, it's just complicated. Like I don't know if that's like. In a post like nine eleven world, if that's a positive, or if that's what like a main you know superhero so would want to So this is why I push back it's on being Ryan's... like, oh, it's complicated. What are you gonna do? And stuff like, no, we can fix this problem. The, the reason why I pushed, maybe that's the writer's intention, but I, that's why I pushed back on uh, Ryan saying it was editorial because I Dream uh, was uh, a a TV writer. Uh, he wrote Batman Five. Uh, and he became uh, one of the bigger names in comics. So I have a hard time imagining he, he didn't want to do the story the way it's written. And the fact that he negated so much of what he wrote immediately after makes it seem like this is his vision. It's, yeah. it's, it's just that yeah. he did the same thing Nick Spencer did in Captain America where he's like, I'm going to push solutions when uh, when I'm, I'm really pushing a simplified narrative of a complex world. Yeah, a kind yeah. of like personal pol- politics solution to this, which yeah. is like yeah, absolutely strange for Superman to do. Uh, and uh, one last question: How do you guys feel about the legal aliens uh, subplot? <laughs> that was like weird to me. It's like you needed at least like some kind of like comic book. Like once he went into that house, I'm like maybe there would be like people wanting to kill Superman for just like walking around or like stumbling on their secret hideout accidentally. But then I was like, I appreciate that it turned into there being illegal aliens. It's one of those things where it's like maybe I've read too many comic books. I'm like. Yeah, okay, it makes sense for there to be illegal aliens that have, like, the, what is it, use holograms to change how they look so that they blend in with society. I'm like, sure. And But the, <laughs> it, the way it wrapped up with the old man that was dying, being saved by them, and then working for their future company is a, like, almost, it's a too positive vision. Whereas I yes, like him, I, I like, I kind of like him for, like, 2009, him going to these aliens and being like, I don't know if you guys should be allowed to say, like, I don't know how I, I feel about this. But then they're like, oh, we have, like, great technology, and then we work with the government now to give them this technology to, like, cure diseases. And it's it's too utopian for me. Yeah, he's again he's presenting a complex issue about legal immigration, and then he then he presents a solution saying as long as immigrants pr- pr- prove useful, we should allow them in. Uh, so again, yeah. it's presenting a complex issue, presenting a simplified solution. And again, not just like a simplified one, but again like a conservative one where it's like oh, you can only stay here if you're useful to us, if you contribute to yeah. our like market. So, what are your final thoughts overall? Then, I still liked it. Yep, I, that's the thing is I still liked it because I like it was more interesting to me than a lot of other comics where it's like I get to actually see this guy's like politics and ways how he handles these solutions or how he handles these problems. Even if they fail, it's like it's way more interesting than the next six issues of Grounded, which is the next one ends with them being like a Superman squad coming down being like in the future. Everyone is you now because we're all saving the universe through space and time. And it's like, oh, it's just, it's so worshipy and fetishistic. Whereas here it was like yeah. Superman like butting his head against problems that didn't have easy solutions. And even if he gave them easy solutions, as a reader, you could at least recognize where you're like, this isn't a good solution to this. Right. Rather than, you know, like an alien from another dimension coming in. It's like, well, of course, I guess Superman blows it up and then 
you know, there's no problem there. The alien's dead. Everyone's happy. So, so it's interesting to see a non-comic fan's perspective on this because we, we didn't like it when we read it. But uh, yeah. as, as much as we didn't like it, it uh, me and Ryan both went on to read the rest of it. You read and so did Daryl. So mm-hmm. at least shows that the premise and the execution to some extent does have potential. I, I would have I, read it if you guys weren't like it sucks. Yep. Yeah, it, 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 like it, it at least at least presents a very interesting scenario that you want to keep learning about more about. Also, yeah. one thing I just want to say about the story in general, I do not, I'm not going to defend the story or say that it's like good, mm-hmm. but it is like people when people first get into comics, there it's so easy to find huge long lists of best Batman stories to read, but best Superman stories to read are usually way, 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 way shorter because there's a lot of really like fillery, generic, like the second half of the stuff, like very just it's bland so Superman fillery. stuff, and. But, like, there is, I mean, like, hundreds of generic Superman issues. And Grounded, while I don't think it's good, I do think it tries to do something a little different. And I do think it has some ambition to it. Even if, like, JMS's politics are not handled well and the story itself has a lot of holes in it. I do find it to be more memorable and, like, worth talking about than, Mm. like, 90% of other Superman stories. I think it's very memorable, no matter how flawed it is. It's like... Like, how many other people have been like, with Superman, let's just have him, like, talk to people? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we did on the show back when we did, like, eight, what was it, like, 12 episodes only in our back pocket. Yeah. We, were like, we were like, this is one of the most memorable comics well, we think about. We could think about at the time. So mm-hmm. clearly yeah. it stood out to us, even if we didn't like and it. I, and I think it's it's something that is, like, worth revisiting and looking at because, like, when we compare it to other, like, political Heartland America stories that comics have done, why doesn't this one hold up well? And, like, especially, I, I was wrong when I said 2009. It's 2010, 2011. Mm. But, like... Well, how dare when, you? Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. But, like, I think it's, like, it's very interesting when you look at it now like way more detached from it about like the politics in this book are not timeless at all they're very much like that kind of like politics that a lot of like moderate liberals want to believe yeah like, of, the, like the bush the bush into obama transition where obama kind of yeah edges more to the center left after the bush years that's kind of like what this represents yes yeah because yeah. it's like superman's not like necessarily like it, it's a conservative slant but it's almost dressed up like a compassionate liberal politic and well i think, I think that... superman himself exists kind of as that where he's like he's not here to punish you or to like he's yeah. not like a punisher type of person he's yeah. he's here to like help you save you and inspire you like inspiration is a very liberal idea yeah i also i also would say that it feels not timeless to you because your views have changed over the years to, to mm. become much more left but i feel like for many people like they would be in favor of immigration if you can bring something like most people are not in favor of like open borders yeah. and things That's like true. that yeah so like, even like the the thing to the, like the abusive dad ending, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of people that are like, yeah, this is a good thing is to make sure you check up on this kid to make sure he's still alive. Well, I'm well, not talking well, so well, much about like the merit based immigration. I mean, more like the like just clean up this neighborhood and it'll fix the problem of drugs. Or we didn't mention mm-hmm. it, but the, I, I, I didn't reread it either. But I recall a scene where there's like a factory closing down and they're like, let's strike a balance between the owners of the factory that want to like pollute and the people that need this as a job. That's like, that I, was in the second half. OK. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. And that okay. was the last so, time I was interested in the story because it was Superman actually being like, I don't know what to do here because Lois was like reporting on the story. I, I was thinking of putting that in because it's, it's, I think it was half written by Shazinski the way it feels. Oh, okay. but, Probably. But, but, but it ends with the Superman from the future saying, Superman, you're so great. So yeah. it feels like the, writer, the new writer came in yeah. right at the end, last tail end of that. 
But uh, like, I, I think that's what it is. is a, a, a factory is like polluting a lot. But if Lois exposes the pollution, everyone in the factory loses their job. Yeah, it shuts down the factory, so then these people lose their jobs, and they're like, "This is this job is all I'm good at doing. You have to like, yeah, we we want to pollute because <laughs> it saves." I, 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 yeah, I want I want to clarify, but well, when I talk about, about merit-based uh, immigration, I don't know how I feel about myself. So I'm not saying that. Wow, fuck you for saying that. Uh, open borders. I'm not saying it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the way to present is we found the perfect balance between these two problems. Yeah. That's what I find the problem with. But uh, but that, that's yeah. what I mean is it, to me this feels like that very like early Obama uh, like idea where it's like oh if we just talk it out. We'll figure it out. A perfect yeah. compromise exists. Yeah. And, like, I think we've learned since then that <laughs> there are some things that, like, there are some arguments. And I'm not saying this book frames anything in a bad faith argument, but I think that there are, like, I think we're less optimistic about that. Like, the perfect solution is truly in the middle. You know what I mean? Like, it feels very post-Bush to me. I agree that him fixing the, like, Band-Aid problems is not... Band-Aid solutions are not fixing the overall problem, but I feel like that's what the book is about because it, the the big picture stuff is what he's always focusing on. And he's like, fine, for once, I'm not going to say, how do I solve world hunger? I'm going to feed a hungry person on the street. Like mm-hmm. it, That's fair. It's, that's a very interesting It's him saying, kind of I'm, I'm fixing these individual things and talking to human beings and seeing their problems and trying to help them out where they where I can instead of being like, I have to you know change the world on a grand mm-hmm. scale. Like it's, it's about the minute details here. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really fair, and I think I'm probably too close to the overall exploration of the character to look at it as strictly like just if you were a god type figure, how would a grounded story look? Where I'm looking at more of like would Superman do these things instead of hmm. would a super a generic superhero figure do these things? Yeah. And I think that that's a really interesting point. The last thing I want to bring up is that in this panel of like Batman and Superman talking uh since Dick Grayson's Batman he's always grimacing like Bruce is I'm like that's such a missed opportunity to show that Dick's a different Batman than Bruce I th- I have a yeah. feeling the artist didn't know that and he edited in, in the writing <laughs> I, 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 I I agree because I like I said I didn't know until I was looking at the t- I went back and I'm reading the he's panels again always I'm like, grimacing I'm like oh this isn't Bruce Wayne cuz cuz about Dick as Batman is, is Dick they, they, they cuz like Batman Dick is Batman. Uh, his Robin was Batman's son, who was raised by the League of Shadows, the Razo organization. So you had a situation where you had optimistic, happy, positive Batman and a grim, dark, gritty Robin. So like yeah. that, that, that was yeah. cool about his dynamic. Yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. All right, uh, cool. decent story. We yeah. got a lot of talking out of it, which is something you can say about it too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So as we often do at the end of a calendar year, we look back at our favorites and least favorites. And we can, I think it'll probably be best if we do all least favorites first and then mm-hmm. all favorites to kind of hype up the good, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we want to be hyping up the good rather than like, stay to hear what we hate. Yeah. And uh, some of them may be shameless plugs for the Patreon. Some of them might not. But let's let's get into it. Sly, you want to go first? Let's go in order, I guess. Ryan, me. Yes. So, okay. My least favorite, clearly, like... Anyone who listens to our Patreon knows that I fucking despise Heroes in Crisis a lot. But I have to say that my <laughs> least favorite really had to be the tail end of Bleach. I'm sorry, Daryl. Are you really wow. going to put Bleach below Heroes in Crisis? And below Ultimate That's 3 crazy. even. Wow. Like, ult- Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> the reason why... I, this is why. is because I feel like... I, I want to pick something that we did on the main feed show to talk about. 
Mm-hmm. And Ultimus, Ultimus 3, 3? Ultimus 3 was five <laughs> issues. It took me 23 <laughs> minutes to read. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot and of text in Ultimates 3. Bleach was mostly just like people true. yelling that's at true. each other. That's true. The thing is, I, I think it's also because like Ultimates 3, it's like latter day Jeff Loeb and like Heroes in Crisis was Tom King. Like I kind of knew that there was like after the first issue of Heroes in Crisis, I kind of I didn't really have many expectations, but because I enjoyed the first half of Bleach so much, I was just like so disheartened by the hundreds and hundreds of pages of like, why is this so not the same as what it was before? Mm. You know what I mean? Like I think like like Ultimate Story I had no expectations whatsoever. Yeah, and I feel like if sometimes like if you read something mediocre to bad, but you read like hundreds of pages of it, whereas like Ultimate Three yeah. was over like it's over yeah. by the time you finish like, it. You're like, oh like, that was what a mess. Yeah. Ultimate Story is clearly worse. Like I'm not gonna say Bleach is worse than Ultimate right, Three. Because we're doing favorite and least favorite, not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Bleach I, I thoroughly loved doing it on the show and going through the whole big saga especially with you taking the reins and everything like it was great and a fun experience but like reading it i was just like what's going on and because i didn't care about a lot of the things i like couldn't tell who any of the characters were by the end and then when recorded i was like i'll just let them i'll pick it up yeah from, context the, the, clues. from doing the editing the episode you like you just drop off in that last episode <laughs> like entirely like you just pop in a couple times with like a, some sardonic joke or something and that's it i was also i was also sick <laughs> Which made it worse, because I was just like, oh my god. I was like, whenever someone doesn't participate, it's usually because they're just like... Pfft. Yeah. But, but like like I said, I think it was good for the show, but bad for the soul. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Good tagline for Bleach. <laughs> but okay, what about you, Sly? Uh, I'm gonna go, uh, here's a crisis, it's gonna be boring. Uh, it's fucking <laughs> terrible. Uh, I will say, I uh, people when I shat on Bleach the, the final part, uh, people were saying, "Destroy like anything." Uh, I didn't put in my my worst of the year, so fuck all your fans. I'm not the fucking hater <laughs> on the show. Uh, but yeah, here's the crisis was way worse to me. Ble- Bleach, as much as I hated uh, like the presentation of the final part, I don't think it compares to anything. Uh, it's, it's the opposite uh, issue because here's the crisis was great presentation for the most part. But in the underlying, mm, yeah. uh, beneath, the, beneath that shiny surface, it was just so trash. Uh, I don't think it worked. Yeah. Heroes of Crisis was deeply offensive to me, so maybe <laughs> that's I. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like that because it it was a lot more deeply like offensive than Bleach, which was just kind of like it just gets dumb and up its own ass with its powers. But Bleach is that you're like, oh, whatever. We're, Heroes in Crisis is like taking these characters and continuity you care about and not serving them well that's a good question because i don't know if i ever said this on the show but i, sh- I should say I, but just, I always defend stuff that are, that's ambitious even if it's flawed yeah. i also generally really hate stuff that thinks it's smarter than it actually is here's a crisis uh. thinks it's so fucking smart it is fucking dumb as shit bleach knows it's dumb and it's fucking happy <laughs> being dumb that's what that's uh, why yeah. you got so mad at the david thoreau quote the henry yes david yeah, <laughs> that, that's why that's why i bitched about ground too, too. that wasn't a joke like I, yeah sincerely that's yeah. no that's i know so it just it makes sense to now too where it's like what was the point of this mr smarty pants no but, but like but like because like if, a, if, a, if it's not even like a writer can't try to be ambitious and try to be smart but like it, i hate it when they feel like we nailed it like and like the fact that Tom King on this page was saying, you should read my book again to get it right. Like, you read it wrong. I, I wrote it right. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, that's, like, that's a special salt in the wound. Then I'm like, no, you just, just fuck off. Like, like, fuck off. That's me. Not a bad choice. What about you, Phil? I, you know, Ultimate 3, I think, was the worst thing I read this year. <laughs> but I don't even remember it, really. So it obviously, like, it doesn't, it doesn't trigger, like, a visceral reaction in me. 
Yeah. Because I forgot I blocked it all out. But I remember Heroes of Wolverine cooking Magneto. That's pretty good. DNA <laughs> seeking bullets. I forgot about that too. I forgot about all, everything. <laughs> but yeah, that was really bad. But <laughs> Heroes in Crisis. Like, Captain America was Black Panther for no reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that is the worst thing I read. That's the worst. There's nothing that bad. I mean, Heroes in Crisis. Heroes in Crisis provoked the more visceral reaction in me when reading it because we read it for so long, too, probably. That, yeah. like, I just every week dreaded going to, or every, however often it came out. <laughs> like, just reading that and being like, oh, Harley Quinn's beating up Flash again, but it's maybe not. Maybe it's all, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I love that you had to read two issues every two months, and you're like, every week. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, but Ultimates probably, is, they're tied. They're, they're both so shitty. They're both so fucking bad. <laughs> uh, well, that's nice to hear. Um, <laughs> I'm not going with any of those choices because I enjoyed, sort of like with Grounded, I enjoyed seeing the failing of Heroes in Crisis. And I thought mm. because it was trying to say something interesting made it more valuable than a lot of other comics which weren't doing interesting things. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ultimates 3 was so terrible that I was like just having such a great time with it. Yeah, how, like, yeah, for it sure. It was not good at all but it's just like it kept spiraling into bad in ways that were profoundly bad like the whole like ultron speech about like him and his father about him hating him it's just it's so bizarre and bad what i think about when i'm like i don't want to read any more of this i'd like i actually just don't didn't enjoy it or i enjoyed it like a little bit but i'm like 100 percent. i don't want to read any more of this 52 it's scooby-doo it's scooby-doo apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> i like, also didn't want to read more of that. It's not I didn't, I didn't hate it. t- terrible, but it was one of those where I was just like, you know, give me, give me the failing of Ultimates three or Heroes in Crisis is mm-hmm. like poor, like ambition that it doesn't capitalize on. That it's just like it ruins itself. But Scooby Doo Apocalypse was just like, man, there's just so much of this left, and I like, I'm not into zombie stories. I'm not into Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. It's kind of <laughs> neat seeing the modern spins on it, but it was just going on and on and. I, it, it didn't feel like it was saying anything to me, speaking to, like, the human experience, kind of like what Grounded was doing. That's, that's funny because uh, that's why... That was always saying, we should do more modern comics, and I said, mm-hmm. I don't want to. That's why I don't like doing more modern comics, because, like, uh, Grounded and Here's a Crisis, they're more, like, 2000s-era ambition kind of comics, as flawed as they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, more, more modern comics are more like Scooby-Doo, from what I could tell. Just, mm-hmm. just like, why am I reading this? At this at some, at a point. Yeah, and it's the why am I reading this... I can see that. It usually gets to me more than other things, unless it's, like, purposely offensive, like, unfunnies. Like, uh, that will always be bottom-tier trash. But beyond that, it's just, like, favorite-wise, Scooby-Doo isn't, like, the wor- we've read worse things, but that's something I don't want to return to. So now favorites. So, so now we're going to... I was going to say, I'm go. so happy I missed Daryl's worst uh, comic of the year. <laughs> what do you mean you missed it? I was in a different episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you happy about that? Because I, I, I missed a bad one. I always fucking am here for every show. Oh, yeah. Every ship, you, every ship. I feel like you wouldn't have enjoyed that uh, much. I, I liked it. <laughs> but I think all your opinions totally make sense. Yeah. So I, Sly and I were talking about this before we started recording, and I always, for favorites, like to pick things I hadn't read before. So I do just want to quickly just say that I really, really loved reading through and seeing Phil and Daryl's reaction to, like, Countdown and Infinite Crisis in 52, and especially one of my favorite books of all time, Flex Metallo, Man of Muscle Mystery. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
seeing how you guys like that was I think Flex Metallo was my favorite episode all year because like I love that book and seeing you guys like trying to make sense of it but also like understanding what I really liked about it like that was really great for me but I think my favorite unexpected thing was probably Tales from the Crypt because mm. I really loved the the art in those stories the plotting the pacing like how much was crammed in so few pages and like I always I always talk about how much I love 40s and 50s comics and they're really like they're never really relevant and they're never really anything that is worth doing on the show but seeing those kind of stories for a Halloween special like it really showcased what I love about this medium that like you can if you have a good creative team and eight pages you could have something like sit with someone for a really long time well, one you of know? the and things like, I would say about it just to like to say how much I enjoyed it too is it's one of those things, I went into it not expecting to like enjoy it nearly as much as I did. Like I finished it and I was like, wow, those are really good stories. Like even if you have like no interest in Tales of the Crypt, I would say that they're definitely worth a read or like a listen to that episode because it was yeah. so interesting. Yeah, definitely. So I think Tales from the Crypt was my favorite. Wait, also, hold on. Puns I, in it, I'm so sorry to it. backpedal, but no one picked Death Head 2 for their least favorite? I mean, it's, it's like, I thought about it. Honorable mention, but like it, it still wasn't shitty enough to be my least. Yeah, that's the two, yeah. is, and the X Men were in it, right? That was good. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like X Men. That's the two is to is to American nineties comics what Bleach was to a shonen. Like, yeah. like it's, it's just an embodiment of a sh- of like a shitty like the shittiest version of a format, but mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't do like anything egregiously bad or anything. It's just an embodiment of that kind of style, like that goofy over top kind of style. So I can't really, mm. I, I can't really muster any hate for it. Mm. Okay. I like how I said, mm, like he can't, it's like maybe I can muster hate for it. <laughs> <laughs> so Sly, what was your favorite? Uh, so I, I like Ride, I don't like to uh, pick stuff I read before. Because like then I'll pick the stuff I I brought to the show because they're my favorite for many many years before and I already evaluate them rank them in my favorites or whatever and we read them multiple times mm-hmm. so I I want to go for something that surprised me like it surprised Phil and Daryl so uh, for that I'm going to pick Shazam um, mm. ah cool cool I thought about Hell it yeah. too so uh, I wanted to read that story when it when it was coming out but it was it was a backup to Justice League which was the worst comic at the time coming out so I'm not I'm not gonna read that fucking shit just to get five pages <laughs> of Shazam. But yeah. uh, it is exactly what I think a comic book rebook, uh, reboot should do. It, like, uh, like you could tell Jeff Johns loves the character and the char- and like all the illusions he puts into it, like the fucking tiger mm-hmm. and the monkey people and stuff like that. Uh, the mon- the monkey uh, sins or because uh, the, their sins were just like monkeys or something like that, and he made them like statues in in the thing and, and like just illusions in the background that only Ryan will point out, but. Uh, new fans yeah, yeah it, it doesn't affect the reading where you're like who is this guy yeah. in here yeah yeah but it, it, it helps bake it into the lore so that if they do explore it further later it's not out of nowhere yeah mm-hmm. and and it, it cleans it cleans it cleans it up um and i think it uh gives it um it's not just a retelling of what happened before it like puts a tw- twist on it because uh billy in the new series what is a lot more f- uh it's a lot less american home uh, good old uh, happy boy uh, Billy that he was in the fifties. Yeah, he's less of like the just the main boy from like all the mm-hmm. pre seventies comics yeah. where it's like, hey, yeah. how what are you doing, Mister? And, and it expands his supporting exactly. cast. Exactly, I was gonna say that. And yeah, it, it immediately uh, it immediately uh, fleshes out the Shazam family and it expands even further than it was before. Instead of just having three people, now it's already up to five or whatever it was. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was, and so like um, it's not just retelling of the original story. 
it cleans up a lot of uh, the lore while still alluding to it. You can tell the writer really loves this stuff, and it really sets a great stage for a story going forward. I think it's exactly what you should yeah. do a reboot. How exactly you should do a reboot? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yep, I, that's a good story. Yeah, it really was. Phil, your favorite? <clears throat> so I don't think it was. Maybe, I'm not sure if it was the best thing we read this year, but my the thing when I look back, the thing I have the most good feelings towards. Mm-hmm. Was actually fifty two. Yes, I Makes sense. just I had such a good time reading that. I felt really invested in the DC universe for the first time and last time <laughs> ever. <laughs> the only time ever. Um, I was so interested to see where it went. I found so many of the character plots interesting. There was comicy stuff. Obviously, it's very comicy, but it was also there's a lot of human stories in it that I thought were really good. Um, and just overall, I think when I, I just have warm feelings towards that story. It was it was it had a good twists, good action, good. It was just good. It was just really good. Yeah, you liked a lot of the characters in it too, and like the subplots, like the Black yeah. Adam. Um, oh my god, yeah, I loved all that. I loved the Sobek reveal. Gold. Blew my mind. <laughs> Sobek, yeah, that was. I a still good think twist. about that. <laughs> Um, so back no i'm so and, glad that somebody picked 52 i think i would have been really sad if nobody yeah. did it was great i really well, like 52 that's what i was thinking about when i was trying to look at the list is like you know there's a difference between favorite and least favorite type of stuff where i can recognize the quality and inherent uh-huh. like greatness of 52 like how hard that must have been to put together and how amazing it was to pull everything off but it's like when it's thinking about like favorite stuff it's like my favorite stuff doesn't always coincide with what is the most polished. 52 is definitely the most polished, and that is the mm-hmm. best thing we read this year. But it's like my favorite stuff is always going to be more, I don't know, different stuff. And for me, we read so many good things that I had honorable mentions that I wanted to say for this. Because I'm like, oh, I, I can't forget about talking about this. And um, you guys picked the three that didn't get into the honorable mentions. Where I was like, okay. these were all really good stories. But it's like, for me... One of the things I felt most passionate about was during Countdown to Infinite Crisis, it was the Wonder Woman versus Superman fight. Where I was like, mm-hmm. this is the the best single issue that I've read huh. like this year with the Maxwell Lord murder. It was like Ca- Countdown was my second favorite. Mm, it was it was just like such a fascinating issue for me where it's like, what do you do if Superman thinks that you just killed Lois Lane and he's coming after your ass to beat you down? And it's like, for me, you know, having, you've seen how I reacted throughout all Bleach, where I'm like, what's their Bankai do? What's this Bankai? It's like, I'm really big in, like, power clashes between two characters, and, like, walking you through, it's like, that you need to be careful of this, this, and this. And I thought that was um, really great. And the other thing that I really liked, and just from, like, the, the other honorable mention, from just, like, ambition standpoint, is I really enjoyed Miss Marvel. And that was the one where I was like... That almost made my my list. Out of everything, I want to buy a trade of this the most. Because I I enjoyed, like, how, like, simple it was, how fun it was, but also, like, how just interesting it was. And I I love her character of Kamala Khan. She's great. Mm -hmm. But my favorite this year has has to be Flex Mantel, Man of Muscle Mystery. Yeah, that was really good. (laughs) It was, it hit every spot that I like where it's, like, obtuse language like confusing visuals and it was also like self-critiquing the comic industry and it's like once you get into like there's a a portion of the book which has a superhero orgy going on and the the writing there was just so fantastic and like it really tickled the part of my brain that like doesn't get activated by comics ever i'm like what is going on here what's funny daryl is when you were saying (laughs) that 52 was the best but flex mental is your favorite i feel like flex mental is 
more art than anything we've read this year. Like, I feel like that was the best if we were going to objectively yeah, rate it, this it, stuff it, as art. It, it I love felt you guys like a, so much. It felt like like a graphic novel more than yeah. just like comic. It was using a comic guy and like comic undertones, but it was such like a wild thing. And the the only thing that makes me hesitant is Sly being like, you know, once you get used to Grant Morrison's writing, it's like, hey, you'll see this in everything. I should I should clarify. It's it's like figure that was different from most Grant Morrison because Grant Morrison starts writing actual main lines like Batman and stuff like that. So when you're reading like Batman, he's the one that makes Dick Grayson Batman. Yeah. But, but mm. my point is more like when you're reading like Batman, all of a sudden you see weird shit start happening in there. It's more, oh, it's more off-putting. Like, oh, this is Morrison. Yeah, it's, uh, it's more. It gets more off-putting when you when you see repeatedly, repeatedly. At least for me. Uh, depends on the audience, because yeah. for me, I'm like, <laughs> finally, I could get into this. Yeah, it's like think about it. It, it was kind of like if you read like a really good Millar book first, and you're like, oh, I like how like dark this gets, or like you know how like he's not afraid to kill kids. And then maybe you get to a point where you're like, this is just what he does. He just likes killing kids. Well, even when you were, Daryl, last time you visited, you were reading Red Sun, the most, definitely the most, like, positively viewed Malar book. Yeah. And you were just like, yeah, but there's still, like, these Malar things. Lex Luthor in it is a Malar character. He's like, oh, I have an IQ yeah. of 10 million. You're like, okay, Yeah, I just right. uh, solved the, uh, solve the federal budget on a napkin and, like, things like <laughs> yeah. that. But, like, when I read that book, I didn't ever notice that stuff because I didn't. Yeah. It wa- I wasn't checking the Malar boxes. And I, I could see that with, like, maybe Morrison as if when we read more and we get to it where it's like, oh, okay. But as a first introduction, Flex Mental was a ride that I will never forget and I really enjoyed. Excellent. Cool. Yeah, I like but, when we all have, like, such different picks. Yeah. Well, it shows yeah. that we weren't just doing we, – we, we, all our, our least favorites are kind of edging towards the same area. Yeah, that's true. But uh, it shows that we more yeah. good stuff this year generally than bad stuff. Uh, I considered having Bleach be my favorite and least favorite. <laughs> I, th- I, thought, I thought Dad was going to say Bleach was his favorite. Like, after all that, like, after 52... Because he, he was like, I want you to read it because I hate it. No, but... Like, so, the, yeah. but the, the reason why I, I almost considered doing the same for both, and I think if I was to give both my favorite and least favorite at the same time, I might have. But the reason why is because I... The thing that I love about comics and, like, extended universes and things like that is the large long-form narrative and storytelling that you don't get anywhere else. You're starting to get that more with television, but mm-hmm. not... It's, it's like, co- there's nothing like comics. And seeing, even though, like, I didn't like where it ended up, seeing someone else walk me through an entire long-established universe... Yeah, is such 15 a fun, years of content. Yeah, it's such a fun thing that I very rarely get to do anymore because it reminds me of, like, when I first started reading comics and, like, Sly and Joe would, like give me lists and I would slowly work my way through them. And then we talk about them and everything. And like, because I've read so much and know how to do the research on my own, I haven't had somebody like hold my hand through an entire narrative in such a long time that like, it was very, very fun. Even when the book was not, <laughs> oh, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta do the noodle now. Fuck. <laughs> no noodle. That's always on the. T- it's hard because Bleach is like so shitty with its storytelling that it can be summed up in you know the seven parts. Yeah, you can that just skip did, most of them. Be like, oh, it's fucking yeah. fights a baby trapped in the monster. Yeah, whereas <laughs> I feel like you can't do that with almost like anything else because people like expanding on stories or telling interesting things with its like side plots and stuff. And Bleach was like, I I hit most of the. There's a couple, like, interesting parts we missed, but that was, like, whatever. Cool. So does anybody else have anything else to add? This was a good good year for comics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe not with Heroes in Crisis, you know. (laughs) It was a good year to read comics, not from this year. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's funny. uh, Was uh, three of our four least favorite comics were from, like, like this year. 
<laughs> yeah. So, uh, thank you guys for supporting us this whole year. We mentioned the Patreon before, where you could hear a lot of Heroes in Crisis episodes and a bunch of other stuff, some fun stuff. We mentioned the Jimmy Olsen stuff, too. We do a lot of fun, more accessible, short-form stuff on there. So if you head over to patreon.com slash flyingmachine, you could get you know all of our monthly episodes and all the ones going forward for $5 a month. And you also get all shows from all the other net, the, all the other shows on the network too. So you get lots and lots and lots of stuff. At this point, it's got to be like hundreds of hours, I think. Oh, there's also all the old stuff. Like we did lots of old crossovers, like way back in the day, that are still on there. So yeah, maybe actually probably probably hundreds of hours. But if not, it's gonna be there soon. So yeah, head over to Patreon.com/slash/FlyingMachine <laughs> and check all that stuff out. So, thank you all for listening to Divisive Issues for one for the year of 2019. I've been your friendly neighborhood crypt keeper. I stopped paying attention just so everyone else handled the narration for me. I've been 52, 52, 52, 52. <laughs> uh, and I've been seeing infinite universes colliding. Ah, shit, those comics, they fuck you up. Stay in continuity. I give you the incredible flying machine. <laughs>